Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night, and welcome back to Cases of Color. I'm so glad you all could join me for episode two. I just want to first give a very quick shout out to the person who gave me this case suggestion in my mentions. Uh, I am more than open to case suggestions that are in alignment with the podcast. So if you have a case suggestion that's in alignment with what Cases of Color stands for, please be my guest and shoot them to me um, in my mentions. I definitely would love, 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 love to hear some of you guys' suggestions. But this case was uh, mentioned to me by a Twitter follower at Crime Nana. So I just want to say thank you so much at Crime Nana for putting this on my radar because when I started looking into this case, I was immediately just so immersed in this case, I pushed over other cases that I had planned on covering before this one because it literally just blew me away. This is the case of Mitrice Richardson. Mitrice Richardson was a very young, ambitious woman. She was born on April 30th, 1985 to her mother, Latisse Sutton and Michael Richardson. Uh, Mitrice was talented, very smart. She was a college graduate from Cal State Fullerton with a bachelor's degree in psychology. And she had every intention of attending grad school so that she could get her master's degree in psychology. Mitrice had a glowing personality. She was a great dancer. She was a pageant girl. And eventually Mitrice started to discover her sexuality and who she was as a person. And she openly identified as a lesbian. Um, At first, she wasn't sure how her family would feel about it, but her family loved her so much that they accepted her for who she was. And at the time of her death, she was at a point in her life where she was truly living to the fullest, getting ready to pursue her college dreams and go to grad school. She had a very fun job that suited her personality. She worked at a lesbian and gay nightclub as a go-go dancer. Um, She was not a stripper, which granted, if you are a stripper, live your best life. Trust me, um, Randy Baum ain't judging you. But she was a go-go dancer at this club, and her stage name was Hazel. And she would just basically dance on a little stage in the middle of the dance floor. And if you don't know anything about go-go dancers, they're basically in the club to hype people up and, you know, just to dance to the music and facilitate everybody having a good time. And that's what she did. In the summer of 2009... Um, which is around the time of Mitrice's death, Mitrice began to become very withdrawn and she started to post very troubling posts on Facebook on MySpace because back in 2009, MySpace was popping and she started to withdraw from her friends. She used to talk to her friends all the time. Again, we're talking about somebody with a very bubbly personality, somebody who was very full of life, yet and still Mitrice just started to withdraw. And when she would text people, she would text things that made little to no sense For example, one time she texted her mother because her mom asked her how she was doing. She said, you said I could be anything I wanted to be. So I'm not going to be America's Next Top Model. I'm going to be Mother Earth because you said I could be whatever I want. And America's Next Top Model is a bunch of bullshit. Like it again, it was just like, wait, what did you say? A lot of this stuff was very all over the place and very concerning, but Yet and still no one really did anything about it because they kind of weren't sure how to address it. So here's what happened on the day 
um, that Mitrice went missing uh, Thursday, September 17th, 2009. So Mitrice was living with her great-grandmother Mildred at the time in Los Angeles, California. It was close to her school, and it also gave her an opportunity to help take care of her great-grandmother. And she grew up in her great-grandmother's house. Her great-grandmother used to watch her as a child. So it was a familiar place to be, and she loved living with her great-grandmother so much that every Wednesday, they would sit down and they would have dinner together and other things like that. On this Wednesday in particular, she did not have dinner with her grandmother. She told her grandma, Grandma, the ocean is calling me. And, you know, her grandmother just let her go. She knew how much Mitrice loved the beach. She didn't think anything of it. So Mitrice headed out to Malibu. And Malibu is outside of LA. It's off of the coast. It's near the ocean and near the beach. It's very, very beautiful. And she arrived at this very known, very bougie, pinky out type of restaurant called Joffrey's. And Joffrey's is still standing to this day, by the way. It's a very, very nice place. Very well known for that area. So nice that it had valet parking only. So when my trees pulled up, the valet went to her and he said, hey, um, this is valet parking only. She said, "Okay." He said, I have to park another car, but I'll be back to get your car. So he went to park that car. And when he came back, my trees was in his car, like his personal vehicle, just rummaging through CDs and just, you know, going through his stuff. So he's like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, I've just stumbled across these things. And she's just like looking through him. He's like, no, seriously, what are you doing? And she looks at him and responds to him and says, I'm here to avenge the death of Michael Jackson. How odd, right? Very odd. It's like, what? wait, what? So he was just trying to get his job done. At least that's what I deduce from it, because he was just got her out of his car and got her into the restaurant. He did make sure to tell somebody, hey, keep an eye on her. She's acting kind of funny. But then he went back outside to, of course, finish parking cars and bringing people their cars. So she goes into the restaurant. She gets a table for one and she ordered a Kobe beef steak, which is like a very nice cut of meat. If you know anything about steak, that was about $65. And she got a cocktail. So her bill totaled around, I believe, 80 something dollars in total, if I'm not mistaken. But while she was there, adjacent to her was about a party of seven people. And again, my trees was a very bubbly person. And as you can tell, just from the little bits I've given you, she was in a very different state of mind at this time. And she walks over to this table and she says, hey, can I join you guys? And they're like, uh, sure, you know, whatever. They kind of didn't think anything of it. Just, you know, being friendly, why not? So she spent the evening talking to them about astrology, saying things like how she was from Mars and that her mother was Mother Earth and that the ocean was calling to her. And the group just enjoyed her banter very much. And they just kind of laughed about it and just enjoyed her eccentric behavior. But eventually they paid their bill and they left. And Mitrice did not. Um, She got up to leave a little bit after them, and she was immediately stopped by the manager. He said, hey, ma'am, you need to pay your bill. And she's like, oh, no, it's paid for. And he said, "Um, no, it's not. And she tried to play it off, but then she's like, I'm busted. You know, what are we going to do about it? And then from there, um, it just kind of went into a different direction and kind of spearheaded the remainder of the actions for this evening and also Mitrice's fate. They told Mitrice, hey, if somebody can pay your bill, um, 
then we will call that person and we'll have them pay your bill. They didn't initially start off trying to make it a big deal. And she immediately gave up her uh, great-grandmother Mildred's number, the one she had been living with and the one she had seen earlier. And Mildred answered the phone. And Mildred was more than willing to give her credit card number, but they had said that they wouldn't take the card info because she was unable to come to the restaurant and sign the receipt or fax a signature over to the restaurant because, you know, she's an older woman. She didn't even have a fax machine. Many members of the staff even offered to pay her bill so that she could just go on her way. However, the manager decided that he just would prefer to let the authorities handle it. Again, this was a more bougie restaurant, you know, African-American woman, bougie restaurant, two plus two equals four. So once the authorities showed up, Maitrice became scared and very concerned about them being around her. But nevertheless, she still was not hostile. She did not try to run and she did not give them an issue. Um, the sheriff's department official statement said that when they got there, the first thing they did was give her a field sobriety test and they determined that she was not intoxicated. So Maitrice passed a field sobriety test. She was not under the influence of any substance. All right. And they also... Um, asked her if there's any way she could pay. So she said, hey, I have my wallet in my car. Um, if, you know, I have money in there, I can pay for it. So the officers went to look into her car because, again, they have her in some type of custody. So you typically don't allow someone to go look in their car themselves. They could pose a flight risk. They could run off. I get the implication behind that. And as they're looking in her car, they found marijuana in her vehicle. Now, it was other under an ounce, but she was charged with possession of less than an ounce of marijuana and also not paying a bill. I personally feel like the moment they found this marijuana, they stopped looking for her phone or her wallet. I truly feel that that is what happened here. Be, and I will get to why I feel that way in a minute, not to jump the gun, but I just feel like this moment made such a significant difference. But... Neither here nor there. Let's continue on with my Teresa's story. So her great grandmother, um, after she got phone with the restaurant, contacted um, my Teresa's mother, Latisse, and Latisse contacted the restaurant. And the manager told her, "Hey, your daughter's acting very strange," and also let her know that she where she was being taken, and let her know that the vehicle was going to be towed to a lot in Malibu. So it wasn't the cops that towed the vehicle. It was the restaurant itself, which typically when you go to nicer restaurants, you cannot just leave your vehicle in the parking lot. It's one of those places where if something is valid and you can't take it, it's going to be moved for you. So again, a typical protocol for an establishment of, you know, that stature. So at this time, it is around 10 p.m. or so, and her mother called the police department. Maitrice hadn't even made it there yet, and she wanted to make sure that her daughter would not be released that evening. That was her biggest thing because she had a 10-year-old daughter at home, and it was about 60 miles away from where they lived. So Latisse was thinking, you know, there's no point in me driving all the way to this police department if they're not going to release her. Like if they're going to release her in the morning, I'll call in the morning and I will go up there first thing and I will go and get her. And the police officer on the phone reassured her that they were not going to be releasing my that evening, that my was going to be safe and sound until the morning time. And the dispatcher even told her, hey, I will have her call you when she gets here. And oddly enough, and I quote 
My Teresa's mother, Latisse, said, I would hate to see a report about a girl being found with her head chopped off. So if y'all are going to release her, I'm going to need to come and get her. You know, and she kind of said it like in a joking manner, you know, but she was serious. But she just said, you know, I would hate to see something. So please let me know, you know, if you're going to release my kid. And again, they reassured her that they were not going to release her and that they would have my trees call her. But again, they reassured her that they were not going to release her and that would have my, they would have my trees call her. Nevertheless, um, that phone call never came. So at 520 a.m. on Thursday, the next day, um, my Teresa's mother, Latisse, was calling to make arrangements to get her daughter. However, she was informed that my Teresa was released at around 12.30 a.m. because she had a clean record and she had no signs of mental incapacitation. And they told her that she could stay if she wanted to and that she would have to sleep in a cell or even that she could stay in the lobby if she wanted to. And she declined all of those options. And the reason why they offered her those options is because the area that she was in was not like being in inner city LA. There were no buses going at that time. This was not an area that had establishments that were open at this time where she could wait it out. This was an area that was like pitch black at night, nothing but the moonlight in certain areas, a lot of terrain and other things like that to navigate. It just wasn't an area where you would just want to let someone out and let someone go on their own. And I think the worst part about this is, is when my trees left the police station in the middle of the night, she did not have her vehicle. She did not have her phone. She didn't even have a wallet. All she had was her keys, oddly enough. So my Teresa's mother didn't want to panic at first. She's like, you know, it's only been a few hours since she's been out. Maybe she called someone. Maybe she talked to someone. So my Teresa's mother called everybody that she could think of, but no one had seen her or not even her great grandmother, who was allegedly on the log as someone that she called. Um, So she hadn't heard from her either. So her mother called the station and asked when she should file a police report, because at this point, once she realizes nobody who knows my trees or who would be there for my trees had heard from her, she started to get really scared and really, really worried about her child, which understandably so. And they recommended that she wait a full 24 hours. But it's like the moment that they told her mother that she immediately became so frantic on the phone because she was like, but you don't understand like my daughter in the way I was being told she was acting and her being somewhere she shouldn't be something isn't right and she was very afraid for her daughter's mental state at about 6 30 in the morning while my Teresa's mother is making all these phone calls there's a man from the Montanito area which is about six to eight miles away from the police station and he reported waking up to find a young black woman with afro hair this is his wording that he used in his backyard just kind of lounging around and he asked her what she was doing and if she was okay and she told him that she was resting and you know he was just relaxing so when he went to look again from a different window she took off running But when authorities came by uh, the residents and to look in the area, they found nobody. So they just completely dropped it and let it go. That same day, Latisse went to the Lost Hills um, police station to file a missing persons report. And on her way out, an officer informed her about the sighting in the Montanato area and told her how to get there. So her mother was stunned at the terrain and the lack of lighting in that area when she drove up there. A little known fact about Mitrice is that she was deathly afraid of the dark. The dark scared her 
even into her adulthood. And her mother immediately had a, a gut feeling that the only way Maitreese made it out that far is if she was taken out there. She said there's absolutely no way that her daughter would have just walked in the pitch black in the middle of the night in an area that she didn't know um, to end up there. So the Malibu Police Department eventually used dogs to track her scent to the house um, that got the call of there being an intruder in the yard. And the dogs immediately hit on that scent right where they said he seen her. So they definitely confirmed that it was Mitrice's scent. Um, and then they also went out into the hiking trail that was behind um, that Montanito home. And they saw footprints that looked just like the shoes that Mitrice was wearing. And there are people who can look at footprints and track patterns. And the pattern of her footprints, it, at first it looked like she was walking and then those walking footprints went to running. And then at some point, those footprints just stop. And they said that they felt that the reason why it looked that way is because after horses walking through there and people walking through there and dogs walking through there, that it's a possibility that those footprints could have been wiped out. However, if you look at the point where you see them stop and ahead of that, it literally looks like almost like she was just yanked off the ground almost like it's like as if that was the final step that she took. It's just something about it wasn't right. But after eight hours, the dogs were called off and my tree still was nowhere to be found. So eventually her mother got the car out of the tow lot. And the, this is to me one of the worst parts. I am like trying not to get upset, but it just upsets me. In the car was her wallet and her cell phone. And her mother looked into her account and she had over $2,000 in her account. So she was more than capable of paying off that dinner bill. And I would like to go on the record and say, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, if she could have gone, that no harm would have came to her because it was very obvious that she was in a very manic state. However, the only reason she ended up at that police department without her wallet, without a cell phone to contact anyone and without her vehicle to get her from point A to point B is because she couldn't pay. And that's where I get into I feel like they stopped the moment that they found that marijuana in the car. I feel like they found it and they're like, oh, we found something and they just stopped looking for the wallet. And granted, if you look into crime scene photos and things, her car did look very disheveled on the inside. It did look very dirty. However, it was easily found by her mother just upon a few minutes of looking in the car. So instead of being able to go with her thing, she was taken without a vehicle, without her wallet, without a phone, and she was never seen any moment after that. And for some time after Matrice's disappearance, her family tried to get footage of her at the station, copies of incident reports, and they were all denied by the sheriff's department. And the sheriff's department told them that there's a specific set of procedures that they have to follow before releasing any information like that to a family of a missing person. So the family was just really pissed and really tired of the police department's lack of participation and lack of cooperation. So they hired a civil rights lawyer and he said, and I quote, if her last name was Spears or Lohan, they would have never let her leave that station. They would have escorted her home. And the reason why he made a statement like that is because a few years before that, that exact same Lost Hills police station arrested Mel Gibson for a DUI. And when he was released, they literally took him back to his vehicle. So again, you have somebody who's not even 
familiar with this area and you're just kind of sending them out into the wild almost because if you look up this area this is not like the inner city LA like I said before this is completely different and it's just a lot of hills a lot of darkness so it's just very different and I think just very irresponsible to let someone just leave like that instead of making them wait I mean what would have been the harm in keeping her I just have so many questions but let me continue on. I'm getting I'm getting on my little cases of color soapbox. So let me come back down. So they said that my trees had no signs of being intoxicated or mentally incapacitated. And that's why they released her because there was a lot of pressure on the police after the civil rights lawyer made that comment about their behavior and how they treated everything. And they omitted a lot of information, though, in their initial statement. They never stated how the restaurant staff was concerned about her behavior. They never addressed how her behavior was displayed at the police station or even that saying things like the arresting officers were not aware of the eccentric behavior that Mitrice was displaying. So after being told previously that they had no surveillance video of Mitrice in custody, in a later meeting that they had, all of a sudden they were told that there was footage of her and that the family didn't ask specifically enough. They said, well, we thought you were asking questions about, you know, her leaving, but we have footage of her being here, which again, why would you omit that information? Fast forwarding, all right, four months after her disappearance, L.A. County organized one of the biggest searches for my trees that they had conducted in 20 years. They utilized horses, helicopters, people on foot, and still, after a whole day of searching in Malibu Canyon, nothing was found. Um, there were some alleged sightings of Mitrice. One was by her father, um, because just for the record, Mitrice's father and her mother were not together and hadn't been for some time. So they were living kind of very separate, different lives, I will say that. But Mitrice's father was in Vegas in February 2010, and he said he felt that he saw her uh, on the corner prostituting herself. But when he got out to track down the woman that he thought he saw as Mitrice, she was lost in the crowd. He went public with this information, and this fueled some rumors that Mitrice was um, possibly a prostitute. Um, but Mitrice's mother refused to believe that this is what her child was doing. Additionally, on June 26, 2010, one of her former high school friends was also in Las Vegas and said that he thought he saw Mitrice as well. He said he saw a woman at a bar at a casino and that he said yelled out to her. He was like, Mitrice, Mitrice. And that the woman looked nervous and scared and just kind of got the hell out of Dodge. But again, Mitrice's mother refused to believe that this is what happened to her child. She truly did not believe that her child made it out of Malibu Canyon. And she was determined to find that out. So in alignment with that, she finally got a hold of the footage that they were looking for. And the footage was shocking, to say the least. Mitrice was swinging from the bars. She was swaying, clearly mentally agitated, even talking to herself because there was a camera that went directly into her cell. So you could see, even without sound, that this is not somebody who was of sound mind. This is somebody who was dealing with some demons, for lack of better words. 
And there was another very startling part of the surveillance video because after her release at 12.28 a.m., you can see a male deputy leaving the facility. And the family was determined to find out not only who he was, but if he saw Maitrese and if he knew anything. Um, The unnamed officer's presence was shocking to the family because they were originally told that there were absolutely no deputies at the station at the time that Maitrese was there. And the family was later told that there were no credible indicators to corroborate that the deputy from the station had anything to do with her death. But that came out later on in a civil suit. But nevertheless, um, the deputy was there and he was leaving out to go do some routine traffic stops around the area and came back about an hour later. But he claims that he never saw or spoke to uh, Maitrese Richardson. On August 9th, 2010, park rangers are hiking in Dark Canyon, which is out there near Malibu Canyon. Dark Canyon has a lot of very complex terrain. It is not an area that you would just stumble upon. Again, park rangers would, but not somebody who is just, you know, oh, I just want to go on this really cute hiking trail. Like Dark Canyon had a lot of very complex terrain that was just hard to navigate, hard to find. And a lot of times the people who would be back there would be up to no good. There were people who would try to grow marijuana back there. So the park rangers would routinely go back there to look into things. And oddly enough, the area of Dark Canyon that they were in was not very far from Maitreza's last sighting in Montanado. And from the man who reported her in his backyard. Um, But her body was actually discovered in this area. It was partially mummified remains with dark curly hair. And they were found and airlifted out of the canyon to be tested and later confirmed to be my trees. The coroner's report came back to say that it did not appear to be a homicide and that it was not a death from another person. So they ruled the cause of death as being undetermined. And even though her body was found naked with absolutely no clothing on her body and the clothing that she was wearing was found about 100 feet away from her body. But it wasn't even all of her clothing. It was only a bra and her pants and her belt. But mind you, the shirt she was wearing, the hat she was wearing, her socks and her underwear were all completely missing. Um, The homicide detectives on the scene also moved her bones without leaving time for the scene to be looked at and examined um, by L.A. County. And L.A. County was pissed because they're like, why did you move this? And their claim for why they moved it were because it was getting dark And they didn't want them to be disturbed by wildlife. Mind you, it had been almost a year since Maitreese had been missing and now her remains were found. So you couldn't wait a few more hours. So there are are literally no official crime scene pictures of her remains and how they were found in their original state. Fortunately, the park ranger, one of them who was down there and found the remains, took a photo of the area and gave the photo to Maitreese's mother. And Maitreese's mother had a forensic pathologist not only look at the area, but actually take her and her sister and two other people who were close to Maitreese down to the area where Maitreese's remains were found to one, examine the area and to also look at the photo. And a forensic pathologist determined that the scene and the remains were grossly mishandled. Um, One of the things to keep in mind is that her head was completely detached from her body and it was resting on the torso area. On top of that, a lot of her hair was missing from her head. Um, But again, all of that was never tested. Five of her neck bones were missing. And 
in a way to test if there was any trauma to her neck strangulation, those bones would need to be present. But because they are not, they were not able to make a determination uh, whatsoever. And those neck bones would have been vital. Another thing is that her arm was bent in a way that wouldn't be caused by a natural death. Like, let's say she just ventured out there, dehydrated and died. Her arm would not be bent in the manner that it was. And one of the things that the forensic pathologist found to be really fishy is he looked at the bones, he looked at everything else because Matrice's body was exhumed about 11 months after she was buried and sent to a crime lab again. And it was very odd to the forensic pathologist that her bones had no indicator of wildlife. And again, you have to think of them being out there for so long, also the terrain and everything else. And you got to think about rain, wind, I mean, you name it, all type, the heat and other things like that. The remains did not look like they were in a condition to where they had genuinely been in that spot. It almost looked like they were laid on top of the brush from the one photo that they were able to get from the park ranger. But again, because the crime scene was disturbed and things were moved, we probably will never know. And it's very, very sad. Another thing that was troubling to me, like I said, is they never sent off her clothing or her hair samples or anything else. They never sent any of that off to test it for fibers, for any type of, you know, fluids of any kind or anything of that nature. Anything that could be an indicator was their blood on the clothes. I mean, the clothes was literally tested for nothing. It was collected, bagged, and thrown into evidence, but nothing ever happened with it. Nothing was ever done with it. And it's just very, very unfortunate because, again... It would have made a significant difference if they would have handled this case differently and taken care of things with my trees differently. Even after the second time of looking at her body, her death was still listed as being undetermined because there were still so many missing factors without seeing the original crime scene and other things. It made it very hard to determine what exactly happened to her. Um, in August of 2011, her parents received a $900,000 settlement. They got $450,000 apiece because they um, did separate um, settlements because, like I said, they were not together whatsoever. Even though the police have never admitted to wrongdoing because there were three officers that admitted in testimony during a civil suit that they actually did notice Mitrice's behavior and they were aware of it, that's what made a difference in them being able to win that civil suit. And I have to say... It's really unfortunate that this young woman with such a bright future was definitely dealing with mental health issues from the way that they were able to look at her journal and her internet post and see that there was a correlation that reminded them of something like bipolar disorder or someone having a manic episode. It was even obvious that she wasn't really truly sleeping from the time patterns of her text messages and also her posts. They didn't even really, they couldn't even really figure out when she was actually sleeping, specifically that 24 hours prior to her death. So it's just, it's very heartbreaking that this young girl is gone now. And we don't really truly know what happened to her. And my heart breaks even more for her family because they do not know what happened to their daughter, their niece, their granddaughter. And it's just very heartbreaking. I can't say that enough. So some of the theories that have been thrown out there is that it was a police department cover up. I guess the only question is, what are they hiding? Definitely that it was due to gross negligence for sure. 
it was a homicide, maybe by someone that offered her a ride, like maybe someone offered her a ride and then they killed her. Maybe she was sexually assaulted and killed, or maybe she wandered off to the dark and died and was there the entire time. No matter what happened to my trees, one thing is for sure is that there was definitely gross negligence on the police department because her erratic behavior should have been taken seriously. The phone call from her mother saying that she was concerned about her should have been taken seriously and she should have been taken care of until someone was able to get her or taken to a hospital to be put on a 72 hour hold so that she could get the care that she desperately needed. So you all, this is the Mitrice Richardson case. I'm going to post some links down below on a documentary that was done for my trees called Lost Compassion and it talks about her story. There is a family website all about getting justice for my trees Richardson. That link will be down there as well. Please make sure you check those out. Also make sure you continue the conversation about my trees with me on Instagram and also on Twitter. You all um, gave me some good engagement last week. And again, I'm forever grateful for you all. Keep the momentum up. Make sure you share the podcast. Get cases of color out there so we can continue to get justice for these families and continue to get this information out about these cases and most of all about these lives that are so important and that matter so much. So again, thank you all for listening to Cases of Color. I look forward to coming back again and talk to you next week.